Is your anger justified? Would you be as happy with it one month later looking back? So this is an interesting question to ask yourself when it comes to any strong emotion really, but anger I think is a really good case study for this. Because it's not that anger is necessarily wrong or even a bad thing. It can, of course, be a very destructive thing. But if we're being fair, so could saying nothing. You know, there are times when it's appropriate to be angry if something terrible is happening, if something challenging is happening, that emotion is going to be understandable. Now, of course, we can argue that maybe we want to get from the emotion of anger or outrage to positive action. and, And there's certainly some truth to that. But in any case, if we think of the piano in front of us, which is of all human emotion, the point is one of those keys is anger, and and that key is a valid key. There certainly are circumstances where an experience of anger is going to be reasonable. So one of the things we want to do then with emotions like anger is ask the question, is this fit for purpose? Now, What becomes a problem, I suppose, with strong emotions like anger, feelings like anger, uh, anxiety would be another example, feelings of fear, those types of emotions very much relate to the activation of the adrenal system, which releases adrenaline. Uh, This is the sympathetic nervous system, and it's uh, related to this idea of fighting, fleeing, or freezing, the fight or flight response. And that response is all about activating us for danger, essentially. And so sometimes you're going to fight, sometimes you're going to run, but either way, the adrenaline is needed to help you with action in that moment. So actually one of the functions of that system, it's a feature, not a bug, is that that system is designed to limit your capacity to think rather broadly. So you do actually, in moments of anger being activated, typically become a little bit more narrow-minded or focused in on what's happening in front of you. And and it makes sense, I suppose, if you think about it. What we don't want is a situation where you're at great risk, but you know, you're off daydreaming about something else. You want to be pulled into the moment that you're in, and you want to focus uh, in a way that can hopefully protect you in a moment where you experience danger. Now, the problem with that is... You may not actually be in a moment of real danger or one that really justifies anger. Sometimes we have these emotions triggered because of prior experience in our life and those prior experience just prime us to be once bitten, twice shy, you know. And it's really unfortunate because, you know, sometimes with anger, even though it may be highly inappropriate, it actually comes from a person who themselves has been hurt. You know, you can see situations where maybe somebody was bullied in the past and maybe they were bullied once and that they couldn't respond in that moment twice. They couldn't respond three times, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. They couldn't respond. They weren't in that place. And then somebody maybe does something wrong. And in that moment, the person finally, it bubbles over and they react with anger. Now, the person in that 10th moment may not be the same person in the previous nine moments. Uh, And that person may not have been doing much wrong. Maybe they were doing something wrong, but it it wasn't as extreme as the sum total of those 10 moments. But that emotion, it's as if the subconscious doesn't really know the difference. And there's a kind of an accumulation of emotional tension there that like steam in a steam engine just gets vented and released in that moment. So this is where it gets complicated because, you know, I think we would, in hearing that description, we'd have some empathy for that person. We'd say, oh, well, they, you know, that poor person, they, you know, they, they were just caught up in the emotion of it. 
But of course, the problem is that's still not good enough. Even if that person isn't doing it intentionally and they've had a really harsh experience, what we don't want is the situation that that person's anger then is interpreted by an innocent or fairly innocent person as itself being harmful. And then that tension builds up in them over the course of time and this just goes on perpetually and, and that's not really good for anyone. So what we want to do, I think, with emotions like anger is try to get a little bit better at breaking that kind of a negative hypnosis or trance that we get caught up in sometimes when we're in anger mode. And it does happen. You've, you've probably noticed this, that maybe an hour later, maybe a week later, maybe a month, and sadly, sometimes years later, but still better than decades later, we kind of wake up and we go, what was going on there? Who was I in that moment? I was letting those emotions really control and dictate what was happening in that moment. It was this sort of almost instant gratification of just being reactive in that moment. And it's interesting because not only was that maybe not good for the other person, but actually it wasn't good for me. You know, I said things that just sort of felt good to say and get off my chest in that moment, which maybe is fair enough to some extent, but I haven't actually helped my own cause in any way. And it's going to be rather hard to have these conversations now in the future. So that's what's interesting about it. Even without doing anything to intervene, we sometimes have that reflection later. Now, the problem with having that recognition later is what can then happen is you can feel bad about that. And that can add to the steam in the engine. So that in turn, ironically, can lead to more anger at a later point if that's allowed to accumulate. So a certain amount of this we can see is prevention, uh, making sure that we're taking care of ourselves in a number of ways. What are ways that you can de-stress, that you can let go of that stress so it doesn't accumulate too much? What are ways, if you've had previous challenging experiences, that you can deal with those and do some resolution work around that so that you're not carrying it as much. And this doesn't need to take ages. You know, when sometimes people think about dealing with the past, they think, okay, well, you know, 10 to 20 years of psychoanalysis, a few sessions a week, and maybe I'll get there because I've got lots of past. And that's cool. You know, that's, that's a way of approaching it. But what I would argue is a lot can be done just by even in a very short period of time, actually just recognizing what's there and then taking some practical measures to start to address that today in your life. And I can do everything you need done, but sometimes you don't need to do everything. It's like the physical fitness example. You know, you might want to do extensive physiotherapy over time to really get fit and get in shape or to resolve past injuries. And of course, sometimes, yes, extensive work is needed if there's a significant harm or challenge that's been experienced to the body or the mind. But that being said, sometimes in a series of a few hours, you can go to a lifting course that teaches you good ways to lift boxes or better ways to manage existing injuries. Now, that's only a number of hours. But if you learn from that, we could say those hours aren't sufficient. But if you take that learning and then you apply it in the days, weeks and months ahead, that actually can make a fairly significant difference. So I'm emphasizing this because obviously if you are already jumping in proactively and dealing with these topics, that's fine. It's all good. But some people feel, oh, God, I just don't want to open that can of worms or I don't want to go there. But the problem is, as with the STEAM example, whether you go there or not, 
it tends to go there. It's maybe affecting the way you're perceiving things. It's leading to more frustration than is needed. And that's affecting your quality of life in a variety of different ways. So that idea of stopping and asking yourself, okay, what I'm about to say here, am I going to be happy with what I say now? But also one month from now, if I was to look back on this moment, would I be just as happy with it? And that's a very powerful question. It's a simple question, but it's a very, very powerful one. And what it's doing really is it's bringing you back into the picture. Because again, the problem was we were triggered by something that brought back previous stress, something about the moment we're in we didn't like, our sympathetic nervous system activated. We got into this kind of fight or flight mode. We became a bit more aggressive or a bit more defensive. We became a bit more one track and we focused in on what was happening. And then like watching a film, that became our world. We got absorbed in it and we're reacting on that level. So if instead you can stop and just kind of open the frame up a little bit more. Okay, hold on a moment. Who am I? I'm here in the room. I can look around. Maybe there's other people. There are options for how I respond, or maybe I don't need to respond at all, or maybe I can respond at a different time. That changes everything. That starts to bring in the parasympathetic nervous system then, which starts to just bring a little bit more ease in. And again, you don't need to be completely calm and zen-like in that moment, but just to kind of break the pattern that you're caught up in a little bit can, can go a very, very long ways. And that valuable question, which is, is such a telling one. You know, if you ask yourself this, I defy you to not have some sense of the answer. Am I happy with what I'm about to say now? And will I be happy one month later if I was to look back on that moment? And typically what that will do is start to diffuse things a little bit. Now, there's no need for perfection in this because if you bring in that space a month later, well, that's much better than six months later. If you can bring in a bit of that space an hour later, well, that's much better than a day later. If you can bring it in uh, halfway through saying something and then kind of maybe stop and reflect, that's much, much better than having said it completely. And of course, if you can actually bring in that space before you even say or take action, that may be even better again. But there's gains to be had here really on every level. And again, the goal is not to try and suppress those emotions whatsoever because they, they may well be valid. But the goal more is to channel the energy behind them and to question what's the best way of progressing things in this moment. And it may actually be that a series of steps are needed. Maybe one conversation is needed with this person, but a different conversation is needed with somebody else who has participated in that steam being accumulated in your system. So bringing in a bit of that space is very powerful and it's fun. And what I recommend doing is practicing it in moments that aren't the most serious, hardcore moments of frustration. It's like learning a martial art. You don't go learn your martial art and then find a big 1980s style street fight with a bunch of people with bandanas and flick knives and then try and test your skills. That's not a good way to practice. What you do is practice in safe moments, in more minor moments, just to test your skills. You hope to never need them at all, but you're testing your skills in, in those circumstances so you get better at it. So likewise, there are going to be plenty of situations in day-to-day -day life that trigger you a bit, that just set you off a bit, 
maybe not a lot, maybe not completely up in the red, but you're kind of somewhere in the in the amber. You know, it's not quite a green moment. You're not just chilled, but it's kind of getting you a bit. Brilliant. Great chance to practice. So you can practice in that moment, stopping, maybe breathing and loosening your body a bit. And then that space. What do I want to do now? What will I be happy with having done one month later? When you start to practice that a bit, then you start to do it automatically. You've developed a useful habit of having a bit more space. If you found this valuable, do like, subscribe and share. And what's your experience? Do you have any questions or topic suggestions? You can contribute in the comments, on social media using hashtag BodyMindSelf or on JFL.com.